Hello and welcome to another very special episode of The Brave Room. With me today, we have Kang Tai, who is the senior esports lead at Razer. Say hello to the lovely people of the internet. Hi, internet. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> that, that makes one of us. Now, as always, you know, if this episode hits 2,000 plays, we will force to take one of your terrible suggestions, so leave them in the comments. And remember, it's a team effort. If you give me an easy suggestion, I will take that one. So make sure the suggestions are good. So, we are here because Razer recently announced you guys are doing the Razer Invitational this year. That's right. Yeah, it's our new season. It's your new season. Do you want, you want to talk a bit about that? Sure. Razer Invitational was really born out of the success of what we did at SEA Games back in 2019. You know, working with different federations, bringing them together, fielding teams. I think we realized that we wanted to give sort of the, the tier two amateur players that opportunity to compete when they normally wouldn't be able to, giving them a chance to, to shine. And, you know, what you see in the esports world today is like, you know, what catches everyone's eye on Twitch or YouTube. You see like the big productions, the million dollar prizes, things like that. And, you know, there are like tons of esports tournaments at the lower level where people are winning, like, or competing for $50, a hundred bucks, you know? So, you know, what this tournament really does is, you know, serve the underserved. It really serves the community of players who are really looking to get to that next level. And we launched the tournament in Southeast Asia last year. We expanded to Latin America, and then we went to Europe. And now this year, we're kicking that off with North America. So really, really excited. We announced the tournament last week, and you know we're featuring three games for All-Stars, Rainbow Six, and Fortnite. And we think it's going to be a really, really awesome event. We've also brought on a couple of sponsors so far that I can talk about. One is Intel, and the other is Seagate. And we're really happy to have them be a part of this. I'm glad that you brought that up about the whole like about the whole serving the underserved thing, because I think there is definitely a sort of like image problem. Not not say image problem with esports, but there's like people only think of the big main stage events with you know the Red Bull T-shirts and the everyone mm -hmm. doing the same pose. But people forget that esports was grassroots for the longest time before it, for the longest time yeah, yeah before That's ESPN right. I was I spent a year abroad in the UK and every Sunday we would go down to this pub where we'd play fighting games in the back like they had an arrangement with the pub where they would right. have they would get a few tables and play and I, and I thought like this is what it should be for most people That's right That's right I mean I remember growing up going to the arcades with my cousin and you see lines of people playing street fighter uh, at the time, it was Street Fighter 2, and uh, which I, I guess I just dated myself, right? <laughs> That's okay. We do it um, all the time here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just seeing the intensity, like you know, watching this this community get together and you know spend their weekend at the arcade competing and and it wasn't even for money at the time you know it was just for bragging rights yeah uh, that's that's where esports really like grew from yeah did you ever go to like any cyber cafes where i live in, in the u.s uh there weren't any cyber cafes so. ah okay because yeah. when, when i was in high school everyone would go to cyber cafes after school and again mm -hmm. like that was where a lot of this all started because you would go to the cyber cafe and you could only play land games at the time yeah. You could only play 
whatever game everyone else was playing against everyone else in the cafe. And I remember because my friend would give himself stupid nicknames. Like he would put his name as... Because, you know, in the Source Engine games, you can change your name on the fly, right? So he would, he would change his name to, like, your mom. So it says, you were killed by your mom. And, and whoever got killed would get up and be like, who, who is this? <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and that's like, you know, the history of, you know, competitive gaming. There's always like a little bit of trash talking, a little bit of, you know, it's 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 healthy. You know, you see it in all different kinds of sports. It's like, hey, you know, I'm you're lighting that fire. You've got that like that fire in you to, to compete. You got to you got to trash talk just a little bit. You know, if you want to be the best, I think a little bit of trash talking is necessary. Yeah, definitely. And so it's, it's really great to see that, you know, Razer is doing that with the Razer Invitational. You had an invitational last year as well. That it, was a little yeah. bit more difficult because, you know, the world ended and everything. Yeah. It was supposed to be a LAN event. And we were very lucky that we could easily pivot to an online tournament. You know, I, I think it made things a little bit more feasible for us. Uh, you know, we, we got, you know, a lot of visibility out of it. And it was, it was a great event. We were very, very successful with it. That's good to know. Because I was checking, obviously, you're doing... Uh, Southeast Asia season at a later date, but the North America is the first one here. And Correct. Yeah. Last year you had a Southeast Asia one as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. was the roster of games at all impacted by the whole world ending thing? Because last year's lineup was Dota 2, Mobile Legends, and PUBG Mobile. Were there any games you guys had to like scrap for that? No, we didn't really have to scrap any games. Usually, like how we choose games is we look at the competitive schedule for different titles that we're interested in. We talk to the publishers or developers to ensure that there aren't any like conflicts in you know, visibility or you know conflicts in, in their competitions. So we want to make sure, and, and usually what they tell us is like, you know, we, we they don't want us like competing with their, you know, their pro tournament schedules. But obviously, like, as I mentioned before, these terms are really meant for a different set of, of competitors. Yeah, they're, they're meant to be like, you know, I I don't have a fancy esports backing, but I would like to enter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and about the games too. It's like we we always want to, you know, choose the best and the top titles in the region. You know, so in North America, we had looked at you know CS:GO, we had looked at League of Legends, Valorant, things like that. But you know, due to kind of schedules and things like that, we had to you know look at other opportunities as well, or like whittle our list down to ones that we that we could work with. That's a, that's interesting to know. I assume, you know, as Razer's king of esports, you have access to like the information about the people who watch this stuff. How did that fly last year with the Southeast Asia crowd? Oh, it was, it was awesome. It was so good. I mean, I think in that tournament, you know, our viewership was just phenomenal. It was so, so good, considering it was our first go at it. And I think we had something close to like 8 or 10 million views for our tournament you know and so for our, our launch of this ip like i'd say we, we were pretty successful yeah because again looking at the southeast asia lineup you picked some real winners there they've dota 2 mobile legends and pubg mobile those are literally like as someone who and i'm, I'm gonna make this very unprofessional as someone who goes on tinder a lot those are the three games <laughs> that everyone who says they're a gamer plays <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like the hottest games in the region right you know, I think that lineup may change, you know, in this next year. I mean, now that Wild Rift is out and people are playing that, you know, I think 
Rai will make that game as successful as possible in Southeast Asia. So as, as they do, uh, yeah, as they do. So it may not be like MLBB. It may not be Dota Two. It could be Wild Rift and something else. So it just we'll we'll have to see when we we'll cross that bridge when we get there. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just easier to to go off of what we do know, which was how last year's one turned out. There's one thing, and I'm almost kind of nervous to ask you about this. Because, you know, like you said, Razor Invitational, it's basically like... What, why is it called an Invitational if it's like an... if it's like open to everyone? Right. <laughs> it's a really funny question. And I think you're absolutely right. It is an open, and that's how it started. This tournament has really evolved over the past like few times we've run it, and we are actually inviting influencers to play people from the community to play and so you know i think you can sort of see the evolution of where you know where we're going it won't be just you know for amateurs to just be an open and, and qualify for it we're moving towards something bigger you know that uh, i think you know the invitational i guess word will be very very relevant that's a that's a very democratic answer to that <laughs> <laughs> I try. That, that actually wasn't my question. That was just, I came up with that while trying to phrase my question. But <laughs> my actual question was, as Gamer Bray's resident fighting games evangelist, I can't help but notice the lack of fighting games on this list. Is it like, yeah. is it because your mission statement would be a little too similar to evil? It would be, and we don't want to, you know, compete with like you know with the likes of evo you know i think it just comes down to what what games are we think are going to be really popular are going to drive participation and viewership we i mean obviously razors is a company that is for gamers by gamers right we want to give the opportunity to for everyone to compete and you know back at sea games 2019 you know tekken was you know part of that lineup mm -hmm. um so it, it I mean, a fighting game could be a part of any of these tournaments. You know, what it comes down to is, you know, operational costs for a tournament organizer to add an additional title. You know, you have to get influencers, you know, people to help drive that viewership. You know, all of it comes down to, you know, do we have the resources and the talent necessary to have a great experience for everyone to, to participate in and watch? So there's the compromises, I guess you could say, that we would have to make. Oh yeah, definitely. One of the biggest like misconceptions people have is that the fighting game crowd thinks that we are the mainstream. We like, I think the entire FGC knows we are not the most popular like multiplayer game by a long shot. <laughs> it's kind of a shame, I think, like why you know the fighting game community hasn't grown to you know something. Like a like a bigger audience because one it's fast it everyone understands like what the objective is right yeah to, to beat your opponent down right to body them <laughs> right but then like when you look at games like League of Legends or Dota those games are so complicated you have to understand like each character's strength and weaknesses you have to understand their build paths you have to understand like objectives and map map control vision that is way more complicated than you know fighting games to me right yeah and, and i'm not i'm not in the scene but like you know you you hear stories from cn and like how he has to train like and learn like the the size of the hitbox and 
you know, for all different characters and like knowing all the thousands of moves for each of them, it is complicated in that sense. But from an audience perspective, it's way more accessible. The thing with MOBAs is like, it's not visually apparent if the cool thing mm-hmm. is happening right now. Because I've watched like some mobile games live before and you know, someone's like kiting and running away and the crowd will go wild and you're like, yeah. is that a cool thing that's happening? When, you know, in truth, kiting is like super technical and really, really impressive. Yeah. yeah. But unless you know that it's like, this is a weird thing to watch. Whereas in Street Fighter, the guy's bar is empty. He did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I, yeah. peaked, I peaked my audio levels there. <laughs> <laughs> I follow Markman twenty three, right? He's, I'm sure, I'm sure you know him. But um, he had posted something like a few months ago, or maybe about a year ago. Like, what is it, Evo? Like moment thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. I always like come back to it, right? Because even though I was not there, I didn't know anything about what was happening at the time. But watching Daigo like make that like those those moves. Yeah, the parries. And, yeah, yeah, the parries, and it just like. That is that is so amazing. That is so incredible, and it really, I, I think, as from an audience perspective, you have to be able to appreciate what just happened in front of you, even though you don't know exactly what happened. Like you see everyone rising out of their seats and screaming their heads off, and you know something special just like just happened. And so, like, I just wish there were more moments like that where could be could be better publicized and, and have better visibility because the, the fighting game community really needs that I, I think to grow um yes it's still niche but it shouldn't be and i hope that you know through our efforts at razor we can help bring that visibility to more people through players like cn players like fudo you know i think those guys are just incredible players and you know we, we hope to support more of the fgc like soon so earlier you mentioned like you know influencers are a part of you know marketing your your esports event, mm-hmm. and just wanted to clarify here like when you say influencers, you mean like community influencers, right? Like oh, for correct, a, correct. for a game, like you're not calling Belle Delphine to come in and and sell Mobile <laughs> Legends. No, no, we um like for Razor Invitation North America, one of the titles as I mentioned before is Brawl Stars, and we happened to sponsor and partner with Tribe Gaming, one of the biggest mobile content creation teams in North America, if not the biggest content creation team for mobile gaming in North America. And one of their key games is Brawl Stars. So we have created a bracket where on one side of the bracket, I've invited their content creators to play and field a team of them, plus like some of their community and their fans to play with them and try to make it to the grand final so those are the kinds of like influencers that that i'd I'd love to i'd love to have i love to to host and we've invited some influencers to cast the events so what it comes down to is razor invitation north america is a really special event for the community and the only way to help the the community is one is letting them know that, that awareness that this tournament is happening and it's for them and the only way they they can know that is through either social or they're the influencers that they follow and so that's why we brought on influencers to help us get the word out yeah i think this would be a great conversation for another time but like people really underestimate how important influencers are in like shaping your event 
Oh, absolutely. I, I think in the past for our invitation on Southeast Asia, we did work with Tier One, a great, great team of, of people led by Trike and those guys are just putting together a massive, massive following. You know, we had uh, some, we worked with some of their influencers, like I think it was uh, Biancake, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, a variety streamer. And she, she helped like drive awareness for our tournament. And it was, it was a great experience. So we've talked about the Raise Invitational. I do have mm-hmm. one thing I want to pick your brain on. So the Razor Kishi, that looks like God's gift to mobile gaming to me because I like it some is. mobile games, but I do not like using my phone. I do not mm. like touching the screen. It is it makes me uncomfortable. So the idea of mm. I can stick two halves of controller on it and now it's a controller, that's great. So we did our write-up on the Razer Kishi and we posted it to a group and someone told me that controller type peripherals are banned in some in some mobile game tournaments. That's right. So I want to know what your opinion on that was, aside from the fact that, you know, it's Razer's job to sell these third-party peripherals. <laughs> <laughs> First off, the, the Razer Kishi is a, is an amazing device. Mm-hmm. And we have partnered with a lot of publishers and developers to like ensure that there is the um, support for their, their game titles. Like, uh, I think Brawlhalla, I think there's like Call of Duty Mobile for iOS. You know, I, I think what Kishi provides is a new way to play, right? It doesn't necessarily give you some kind of unfair advantage or anything like that in competition. It's just, you know, you have buttons versus using your fingers on the screen. And like I myself, I don't like playing, you know, games on my phone with just just my fingers because you end up getting like streaks or even like burns because like how fast you swipe. So I know it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And that's why like, that's part of the reason why the Kishi was developed. As for being banned in competition, one, you know, if if the game is supported, I can understand why a developer would want want to not have third party peripherals in tournaments, and that's to ensure that everyone is having sort of a standard across all players. So all players must play on the same platform. Right? Yeah, and I totally get it. And what we've been trying to do is work with our uh, developer partners to one have one support for the game but two we've asked about like having exhibition matches to show people like hey you know you don't have to play on your phone you know you can play on your kishi and your device either through a bluetooth connection or through like the the um, direct connection on, on yeah, the, the sandwich mode through the port right so that's just a new really amazing experience so you have multiple ways to play and you can enjoy it how you want to. And Kishi can give you that variability and the opportunity to play more comfortably. So however you want to want to play. It's a challenge for sure. I think in the near future when you know players are standing up and asking for more of these kinds of you know experiences, like using a controller, I think it's we'll see them in competition. Hopefully sooner rather than later though. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like the fact that you brought it up, the idea of the standard versus the everyone should play what makes them play best. Because again, to, to bring it back, that's pretty much how fighting game tournaments go. That's why you have you know controller players versus stick players versus hitbox players. Right. Because right, they... like a problem X, right? He plays on controller. Yeah. And so like, I think the a lot of esports groups 
communities in general need to start having that conversation about hey do we think that maybe it's time to let players play the way that makes them play best with a huge asterisk saying an aimbot does not count all right <laughs> aimbot right. Is, is not a not an accessibility feature all right <laughs> but yeah definitely and i think this this would be the last question for this sure. Okay, so I think we've we've definitely hit like a turning point on attitudes towards esports. Mm. Like I think people go less from you can make money playing video games question mark to you can mm. make money playing video games period weird period. Yeah. Thing <laughs> we've we've definitely made we've made that jump in the past few years, and a yeah. lot more people are definitely a lot more supportive, especially yeah. especially in Asian countries now where they're like. Yeah, you know my my kid. He's really into Fortnite, so we let him like we let him play because he wants to get good professionally, and I think that's great, right? Yeah, it's absolutely great. But <laughs> this is where it comes. Here it comes. In. Here it comes <laughs> in. There is also the problem that if you're gonna spend you know all your free time playing video games, you know there is still the risk that you are not going to develop socially as a person, <laughs> especially if you're playing a game like. That's a name drop Counter Strike, where the community is famously very toxic. Yeah, I think esports has has changed. It's gone. It's gone more mainstream. And I think just to talk about the first part, you know, parents are getting more involved, which is great. They're teaching their their kids like how to how to be safe uh, playing games, interacting with people online. You know, also just limiting the amount of playtime on computers. I think is a good thing. I mean, I'm a I'm a parent myself, right? I have two kids. Mm-hmm. And I want them to enjoy video games. I want them to play. Like, do I want them to play competitively? Sure, if they really want to. But I think everything comes in moderation. You know, if you want to be the best, yeah, sure, you have to put a little bit more time in. But I wouldn't want my child to play like hours and hours and hours on end without like going out for a run or something like that and playing at the playground. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there come there comes with uh, with this there comes like a necessity for balance and sort of oversight by the by a parent or an adult who can keep ensure and educate their child like how to play and play well but play healthy and that education is something that teammates uh, are, are really talking about now and we're we'll be you know we haven't announced it yet but we are looking at health and wellness for esports and gaming so it's something to look forward to uh, in the near future now to talk about the the other part, which is toxicity in gaming. You know, I, I used to play, I used to play League. Yeah, that's know. a great, great way to start a conversation on toxicity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I know exactly like the kind of uh, language, communication, lack of communication that happens in game, and it's great that like a publisher like Riot has taken steps to combat toxicity because. That kind of like harassment, that kind of language isn't healthy at all for anyone. Whether you're you're saying it or you're on the receiving end, and you know, and and I think where I kind of I feel it's important is for like I said, parents to really educate their kids and teach their kids how to respect other people. I think that's where it, I think where it should start. And yeah, like I, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, like yeah, sure, it's when you're competing, yeah, sure, there's a little bit of trash talking. But it's not cool when you're like putting someone down just to put someone down. Yeah, you know, it's not something that should be perpetuated. 
and you're just teaching the next generation of like how to not treat people with respect. And you should always treat your like competitors and your teammates with respect. And when they make mistakes, you don't like talk them down. You have to encourage them and try better next time. And I think what esports and what, what video games do is actually they're very, very social tools or tools to be social rather. And you know, when you're communicating with your teammates, you're you're talking over comms and you're planning, you're strategizing. Like that is social activity. Sure, you're not seeing someone face to face. Maybe you're not shaking their hand, but you know, a lot of the things that we do is you know talking over the phone and talking over like you know our headsets, interacting with people in these kind of communities that I think is is really healthy in a way because you know in a COVID situation, a lot of people are just at home. Yeah, you know they they aren't going out right. Yeah. So this is video video games have come in to like sort of save the day. And so I think it's it's really awesome that our industry has really stepped up and been there for people when or when they needed it most. So when it comes to like I said, like you know uh, toxicity and, and you know negative behaviors on, online, that's sort of like an internal thing that needs to be addressed by parent and child and you know lo- looking at someone's values internally, right? Like if you f- if you feel that it's cool to put someone down like while they're playing, then you have problems like, like within yourself that you need to, to resolve. Yeah, definitely. I think when you, you mentioned that you do learn social skills while, while playing team games, I think the most basic social skill you learn is to not talk over other people because, you know, like your voice chat can only handle one voice at a time. So I think like, yeah, we, we were tricked into, learn, into learning proper etiquette the whole time. <laughs> There's, and on, on topic of toxicity as well I don't know if you're aware of this Twitter account it's called Scrub Quotes no I'm not familiar with it it's basically anytime someone is being toxic they send toxic messages in a game people screenshot it and send it to this Twitter account to post and it is the most sobering experience ever because we've all had a Scrub Quote thought right in our head Yeah, like we've all yeah. lost a game and been like this character's broken I wish they'd fix him when the yeah. truth is, no, you just weren't playing your best that day. Yeah. Yeah, likely the case, like, 99% of the time. Yeah, right? and we, we've all thought about it. We hold it deep in our hearts sometimes. And then we see Scrub Quotes, you know, an account that is not at all, like, hiding the fact that it is making fun of these people who say these. And you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, I was I was being a scrub. So. <laughs> yeah, I think in our, in our industry... There's a necessity for like emotional intelligence uh, education. Yeah, definitely. Like how a player deals with their negative feelings, how they deal with negative feelings from other players, how they deal with pressure. Those are things that I think, you know, are so important to the health and growth of our industry. I hear like I've been joining a lot of like Twitter spaces recently. And just to listen in on like what the community is saying about, you know, what it's like to be a pro, what it's like to, you know, how how they can grow their 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 followings, and it's it's amazing to hear young children like you hear their voices and you can tell they're like maybe 11, 10 to twelve years old, and they're always like they're saying like I'm so bad at this game like how can I get better, and it's it that in itself is very sobering. Because they're chasing, like, their idols. 
yeah who are these like youtubers like creating videos who have millions of views and they're like oh yeah i only have two subs right now like how do i get to 100 how do i get to a thousand i'm like well don't forget why you're playing the game you're playing the game because it's fun you're playing the game because you're interacting with your friends you're not playing the game to like yo have a million yeah have, know, have a million viewers follow yeah subs on youtube and it, and i think losing sight of that is that's really bad i i think you know young kids just need to have fun playing games that's what kids should do not worry about like you know making their you know first million you know like views on youtube like i think that's just crazy it's the wrong like i think it's the wrong attitude and, and goal to have yeah definitely i have a game that i played with my friend it's the pokemon fighting game mm. and i i tell this story at parties all the time we would we would play we played like 60 matches in one sitting and the final <laughs> score was like 45 15 his win <laughs> <laughs> and my more competitive friends will tell me like dude aren't you like you know, don't you feel like destroyed like he like he beat you three to one and and i'm just like no man that was fun yeah yeah see that and that's the attitude to have it's like you already know that you know despite losing that many games it's like it's just a game and in for you know when, if you're at the pro level maybe it's not maybe it's not just a game anymore it's your job yeah well when it's your job it's different. different yeah it's different and so money is on the line. Your reputation is online. When you get to that level, it's different. But when you're a kid, come on, like enjoy the game. And if you're good at it, great. It's not keeping the lights on yet, so don't treat it like it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I'm trying to imagine like Daigo trying to pay the electricity bill with, but that match was really fun though. <laughs> <laughs> Telling the electric company, it's no, but you don't understand. Yeah. I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. They flip the switch and the lights go out. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we can call it here for today. Thank you okay. so much for coming on the show. Is there anything you'd like to say to the viewers? Like one more shout out to the Razor Invitational? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what we're doing at Razor is something really special that I think a lot of people need to watch. Knowing that the Razor Invitational is uh, a tournament for the community, it's for the underserved, it's I think is is what makes it unique and whether you're just watching or you're competing you know please just have fun you know have fun competing hopefully like people who sign up and register they and they win you know that's a lot of money a lot of money on the line and for those who are watching you know we're doing a lot of giveaways and just want to have just want to make sure that everyone's enjoying it, enjoying their time watching it because we're going to be doing more of these we're going to be reaching new regions so please continue to follow Team Razor and yeah, I think that's it. Can't wait for the Antarctica regional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, Love penguins playing. Those penguins can play a mean uh, wild rift, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. They've got none but time. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for coming on and thank you, listener, for for listening this far into the into the Brave Room. This has been another episode of the Brave Room. Don't forget, leave a comment. Two thousand players, you know, I'll have to take one of your suggestions. You, you know the shebang by now. This has been The Brave Room, and see you guys next week.